Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Well, as of broadcasting, polling has closed in the Philippines' presidential election campaign and Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos has a healthy lead. No doubt he will win by a landslide, as has been predicted. In the coming weeks and months on Accent of Women, we'll cover the impact and consequences of this election win on democracy, workers' rights, the rights of women and young people, climate justice and, of course, the broader civil rights movement. But for today, I'll play our show from the 15th of March this year when I spoke to Christine Lawrence, the Secretary of Gabriella Australia, about the situation in the Philippines for women and the broader politics surrounding this election campaign. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. As listeners will know, last week was International Women's Day, and on that day, women across the world took political action in furtherance of their demands. Today on Accent of Women, we look at IWD in the Philippines and how women there took and are taking action for women's liberation. My guest on today's program is Christine Lawrence, the Secretary of Gabriela Australia, which is a Filipina expatriate organisation supporting Filipino women in Australia. My name is Christine Lawrence and I'm the Secretary General of Gabriela Australia. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to the show. International Women's Day is a significant event on the workers' calendar internationally and women in the Philippines really take this opportunity to protest and fight for justice. How did Filipino women take action this year in 2022? Uh, So let's start with um, here in Australia. So our Gabriela sisters, including me, joined the March 8th rally, the protest in solidarity with other women's organization. Um, And Ness, our chairperson, is one of the guest speakers. And she highlighted the issues back home, um, such as the extrajudicial killings by the Duterte fascist regime and trump up charges on women leaders in the Philippines, and the lack of support by Australian government for the migrant women and children children fleeing domestic violence under temporary visas. Uh, She also highlighted that we condemn the militarization in the Philippines uh, and the imperialist war of aggression, and we stand with the women of Ukraine who are currently affected by the the war. Um, And uh, International Women's Day in the Philippines is actually big. Um, They celebrated it um, within a month, so that's a couple of weeks. Um, through the whole month of March. Um, There are plays, presentation, and protests. And our Gabriela sisters in the Philippines also joined the uh, protest and uh, rally to create awareness and show support to other progressive women's movement. Uh, And some of the calls that they made were salary increase for workers, health working conditions, uh, healthy working conditions, especially for women, Uh, we know who are most vulnerable to abuse and assault in a patriarch system. Um, Promotion of oil deregulation law, 
Um, and there is also an online strike against violence and objectification of women on Facebook. Um, some of the calls as well were fight against the price hike for fuel, food and commodities. Um, and there's also mobilization that uh, various advocates and express their support uh, for Gabriela Partilis for the women's agenda and the upcoming elections. Um, so during this protest, uh, we would like to highlight and we've highlighted that we seek justice and grieve for those 3,527 lives lost during the martial law. Uh, we fight in solidarity with those 70,000 incarcerated political prisoners and victims of red tagging and trump up charges uh, in the Philippines. We seek justice for 35,000 documented tortures from the current and past administrations and um, approximately 30,000 plus lives lost during the extrajudicial killing. Um, these are actual lives that was taken away from their families and loved ones because of senseless act of fascist and oppressive ruling class. Yeah, Dutetra certainly has a, a murderous regime in the Philippines at the moment. We'll talk about the elections later in this, um, in this discussion. I mean, you, you covered a lot of demands of the women's movement for International Women's Day. And I guess my next question is, what are the most important issues facing women workers in the Philippines at the moment? Uh, there's actually a few. So in a patriarch society, I guess um, the most important issue uh, that needs addressing is the increase of sexual assault, harassment and rape in the workplace which sometimes is unheard of because women choose to stay quiet so that they could keep their job. Uh, they need to work to eat and live and provide for their families. Um, and um, the gender pay gap as well, which hasn't moved in the last decade, almost uh, 20 to 40% gap between men and women's wage. Uh, and it depends which industry. We identify that the that there is a wider gap in the farming industry, retail and factory workers. Uh, and of course, since the start of 90s, there has been a trend that if you are working, if you are a working woman in the Philippines, it would be difficult for you to get the promotion of a full-time position, especially in retail industries and economic processing zones. Um, they hire women on contractual basis uh, because it is believed that women have monthly period or they'll get uh, pregnant in the future. So therefore, they will require more leave um, and absences. And that's actually happened to, because I have sisters. Um, it's a firsthand experience and uh, they would last for six months in a job. And then after that, they need to start looking for another one because they won't get a full time or some sometimes the contract just ends um, and they're required to wear some uncomfortable clothing and high heels if they're working on a retail so that they would look and, um, you know, have a pleasing personality, um, sort of objectification of women. Um, and yeah, those are the couples of issue um, that women are facing at the moment in the Philippines. 
As a result of travel restrictions because of COVID, many Filipino workers have been stranded overseas, unable to get home. What can you tell us of the plight of Filipino migrant workers? Oh, well, um, being a grassroots organization, we've um, seen um, some of the migrant workers who had, you know, difficulty living their lives, which almost affect their um, physical and mental health, um, particularly during COVID, because there's little or no support from the Philippine government um, during the pandemic. It's usually the organization and um, grassroots organization who work together uh, and uh, try to, you know, provide and help some, um, give some support uh, to these worker. Some had lived through food packs, which are limited and sometimes not enough. Um, and it's been particularly tough um, for the Filipino workers during uh, the pandemic, because especially here in Australia, if um, you know, they don't have the appropriate visas that would require them for uh, a payment or a center link, then they're going to have to live for what, you know, what they have. And if they're off from work, then there's not much really income coming their way. Was, um, there, yeah. was there anything specific in place to support Filipino workers stranded in Australia? Well, I personally didn't hear any or know any help. What, what I what I heard um, during the pandemic is they uh, manifested a, a flight. They organized a flight back home, which you need to pay the, the plane ticket. So I think they they thought that, you know, they just rather go home instead of uh, suffer here. But most of the, the Filipino workers are here to um, work and provide for their family. So going home is not really an option. But that's the, that's the support that I've, I've heard. So they organize a flight um, for the workers to go home. Um, there are Filipino-Australian organizations who helped out and donated food packs and other commodities for Filipino workers uh, and international students during the pandemic. And Gabriela and Migrante is one of them. Yeah, you do an amazing job supporting Filipino workers abroad. Let me ask you you. about the COVID situation in the Philippines. What's happening there? All right. So uh, there's a lot of deaths. Most most Filipinos had either had someone in the family or know someone died because of COVID. But uh, there is also no reporting and statistics, valid statistics around it. So it's scary to know how much people suffer and died because of it. Uh, And there's no mass testing, which, you know, um, Gabriela has been calling for since the start of pandemic. So that, you know, it's very important to do mass testing uh, to isolate and to limit the um, transmission. But there is no mass testing. And usually you could only uh, test yourself if you have the money and that that will cost. So people really will just, you know, stay at home if they feel unwell or sometimes they would still need to go to work. Uh, So the transmission is very high and the implementation that has been done was heavy handed. And some of it did not come from medical experts. 
um, they try to um, send soldiers and police to um, monitor and restrict people's movement. Um, and they did some community quarantine. quarantine um, and there are more people who became impoverished due to losing their job and has been arrested due to going to work and just providing for their families. So there is a struggle to control the spread of COVID, which is a serious public health concern. Uh, and Philippines has the highest, second highest number of coronavirus cases in Southeast Asia. My God, that's incredible. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, we look at IWD in the Philippines and how women there took and are taking action for women's liberation. Christine Lawrence is my guest and she's the secretary of Gabriella Australia, which is a Filipina expatriate organisation supporting Filipina women in Australia. Well, uh, I mean, COVID is the background um, issue for a lot of the current presidential or prime ministerial elections around the world. And there will be a presidential election in the Philippines in May. Um, We know that Ferdinand Marcos Jr., who goes by the name Bong Bong, he's a front runner. What does Mm. this tell us about the despair in the working class in the Philippines that the former, the son of the former dictator of the country is a front runner of um of the election well for an activist like me it's very distressing and frustrating that the son of a dictator is running for presidential election it brings back all the barbarism and brutal past that the working class has and continued fighting against um it's frustrating that the past experiences has not taught any lessons for some Filipinos. And um, the, we're talking about the ruling class. These are family dynasty who have that uh, much amount of resources, unlimited resources to buy votes, to um, set up trolls, to set up fake news on social media to get more votes. So it, it's really worrying. Um, but our comrades does not stop to expose all the evil acts of Marcos family and seek justice for people who lost their lives to fight against the oppression and unjust treatment of our fellow Filipinos. So uh, there are also an increasing number of Filipinos joining the armed struggle, uh, including women, because of this. Um, wow. And yeah, it's, it's like a, a wake up call. Well, equally alarming is that Sarah Dutetra, the daughter of President Dutetra, is running for vice president. What can we say about this? And what is the likelihood that um, uh, Marcos and Dutetra both win and then together they, they uh, control the regime in the Philippines? I can't really ascertain how the percentage or how high it is. Um, I don't want to be so negative, but I, you know, it could happen. Uh, it's obviously a political dynasty, and the third plans to continue the family interest within the politics and, uh, you know, just the authority itself. And he has long seen her 
his daughter as his successor, like uh, what happened in Davao. So after he resigned as a mayor, he, um, he passed the mayorship to Sarah. Uh, it's too early to say that she will continue the murderous regime, but uh, we are vigilant and we are watchful uh, as it could happen considering the history of his father's regime. And they're like, um, like sort of almost the evil team combined. Uh, Marcus and Duterte. So Duterte is also using Marcus' popularity as a machination, machination um, to win. So Sarah would win the election. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really worrying. If that happens, um, there could be you know another martial law which happened in Marcus' era because they, they, their values are oppressive and. Um, more on fascist regimes and Gabriela's really um, worried but you know we're also there to to protest and to create awareness about what's happening uh, and we educate people about the up- upcoming election. So will these elections likely be fair and free? What are election processes like in the Philippines? Uh, to say that it you know, it will be fair and free. It's not really true because it will not be, which has happened in the past. We have these machines that um, we use on elections to count the votes. Um, and You shade a paper and then you put it on the machine and then suddenly there is a blackout or something happened to the electricity and then, you know, the machine would stop. And there you know that, you know, the, the votes are rigged. It has happened in the past. So there is possibility that it could happen again. And uh, Marcos already used a lot of uh, resources, massive resources to use trolls on Facebook. Um, they would create these um, accounts, fake accounts, to lure people um, to create fake news Um so that they would get the popularity. Uh, And it's never been fair anyways, because the resources used to campaign is from the ruling class and they're mostly bureaucrats. Um, So, you know, they vote buying. I personally experienced that that you could have like a rice, a a bag of rice uh, and some money if you vote for certain people. Uh, and it, it's rampant in the Philippines. Yeah, and intimidation is one too, especially on a family dynasty where people get killed. You know, if you have interest in politics or you're running against someone. Um, so votes are being rigged. Um, most of the commissioners in the COMELEC um, is also appointed by the current administration. Um, But Gabriela still participates so that we could represent the masses. We have one uh, representation out of, you know, out of, I can't even count how many um, run for elections. Mm. At least least we have one that could represent uh, women and children. 
Well, in terms of the the other general issues that uh, will likely be um, considerations in the um, election, I think anyway, one of the biggest issues facing the planet is climate change. Is this something that the Philippines government takes seriously? Is this something that ordinary Filipinos um, take seriously? Well, um, based on the researches that I've read just recently, um, it's almost 73% of the respondents um, are aware and are willing to take action uh, in regards to climate-related um, change. Uh, and Philippines is among the most vulnerable country uh, to climate-related weather events. And we could see that from the typhoons, the flooding, the uh, volcanic eruption, different calamities. Um, and there is a plan. The government has a plan of 75% reduction of gas emission by 2030. But um, the plan didn't talk about the immediate action stated uh, on it. Um, so the Philippines ratified the Paris Agreement, which allowed government to access climate funds, uh, which aim to channel billions of dollars to help poor nation tackling global warming. But environmental activists, including Gabriela, calls to speed up the country's transition to renewable energies. And then again, I mean, you know, corruption is very rampant in the Philippines. So we really don't know if that um, funding that they get from the agreement will be used solely on the climate change. Um, but I haven't, it's not heard of having solar panels in the Philippines or using renewables. Most of the cars still use fuel. Um, and there's no plan of, you know, a providing or giving a, an ordinary person a chance to buy electric cars, with, which I believe that it would be expensive and unaffordable for an ordinary uh, Filipino. Um, and yeah, I also, I, I imagine mm -hmm. that slums are very big um, pollutants in terms of um, the way uh, heating is used, which is just burning things. Um, and, and I take it that the government has no plans to reduce slum dwellings and introduce proper, affordable, appropriate housing for the masses of slum dwellers in the Philippines. Yeah, you're correct. Um, there is no um plan or there is no funding uh, to provide proper dwellings uh, to those people living in slums uh, i haven't heard of any and it's it's yeah it's adding a lot of transmission and you know rubbish from canada or any other country we receive rubbish from like example canada they ship all their um rubbish in the philippines so that we would store them there in the in a land and we don't even have the proper machine or proper ways on how to i guess recycle those and process those and i think i, I don't know how many years that was ago but like 2 years ago um there are protests from the people um that they would want those rubbish shipped back to canada but because of arrangement that the Philippines signed, uh, it's not really possible. So, you know, we're receiving a lot of rubbish 
from other countries. So many issues facing the workers of the Philippines and women too. Christine, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Is there anything mm-hmm. you wanted to add? Um, so uh, please support our advocacy and keep updating by liking our Facebook page, Gabriela Australia. Uh, we also have activities throughout the year and we also welcome volunteers after the pandemic. Uh, there is an increase in incident of domestic violence in women and children. So it's a high time to get involved um, and join organizations. That was Christine Lawrence, the Secretary of Gabriella Australia, speaking about IWD in the Philippines and how women there took and are taking action for women's liberation. And that's all we've got time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.